Alright, so tonight's lesson. Tonight's lesson, the main focus of it all, uh, the thought process was how to make disciples. What does it really look like to be a disciple maker? But when I was diving into what it looks like to be a disciple and what it looks like to disciple others, I couldn't get past the initial idea of for you to be a disciple maker, you yourself have to be a disciple. So tonight, what I was going to make sure with you guys to paint it in as clear as a picture as I can for you, what it looks like for you personally to be a disciple of Christ. You might be sitting in this room, you're like, James, I already know I'm a disciple of Christ. Well, then use this opportunity as another way that you can explain the gospel to somebody else. Does that make sense? But really, really quick, what I want everybody to understand in this room, because I actually did it on this screen for y'all to see everything, as long as it's uh, not twitchy, Kai be touching the cord. Uh, the only reason I'm doing that is that way you have the verses. I saved everything, so at the end of this, if you want it for yourself, I can send it all to you. It is so heavily rooted in Scripture, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking some pastor preached me an opinion on my eternity. I want you guys to see what the Word of God says about your eternity. Number one, our relationship with God is severed because of our sin. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Um, let's see, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I believe in Isaiah 64, 6. This is what's really cool. But as we all are as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, all we do fades as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Who is unrighteous? Hey, 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 verse number uh, Romans 3, 10, as it's written, there's none righteous. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 6, verse 9, it says... Uh, what does it say? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If we ourselves understand that the Bible teaches we are unrighteous, we have to accept the fact that because of our unrighteousness, we will not inherit the kingdom of God on our own. Why? Because that sin has so separated us from God. Um, and it gives a list of things that I believe in Romans 5.12 or Ephesians, and also we have a couple of different things. Uh, in Ephesians, it's basically talking about, hey, you have your flesh, you have the world and you have the devil. All three of those factors are the reasons that you're separated from God. We also have it in Romans, another verse where it says, As by one man sin entered the world, and by death by that sin, so death passed on from all men, for all have sinned. I'm going to be honest with you guys. If we were to stop right there, for us as humans, no hope. No hope. Now, I was actually going to do something pretty cool as a demonstration. Where's Jacob? Jacob, um, you're good at throwing a frisbee, huh? I think he's our best frisbee thrower. So I was going to demonstrate you guys just so this hits home uh, really good for y'all. I need you to stand over there. Do you see Brother Mitch? I need you to get up. Best frisbee thrower. Go stand over there by Brother Mitch. There's a green frisbee over there for you. Yep, green frisbee. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. All right. All right, Jacob, I need you to stay right there. I need you to stay right there. All right, real quick, just so that way you guys can understand this. Um, uh, maybe we can create somewhat of a pass, but it's around a little bit. There is a black canister in there. Uh, it, you buy it from Five Below. It's a game where you throw the frisbee and you have to throw it inside the middle of uh, basically the, the thing. Jacob's going to give himself a throw to try and make it into that thing. All right? Does that sound good, Jacob? Uh, do you see it in there? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, 
go back, go back. Here we go. Who won? Hey, he gets a second chance. Second chance. Here we go. Hey, so Jacob, that first chance was your best effort in trying to hit that goal on your own. Hey, real quick. Real quick. That first attempt was Jacob trying to meet that target, inserted into that goal at his best effort. Now, here's the second part. Remember, in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3, it says we have our flesh we battle against, but there's also an element that we cannot escape, and that is the way of the world, the flow of the world. Now, you guys, Jacob's going to make a throw, and it's your job to make sure it doesn't hit that. If you're in this room, your job is to make sure it doesn't get past you. If that frisbee touches that thing, it won't be good. Everybody, it's your job to make sure that frisbee does not hit it. All right, here we go. All right, Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, let me see it. Let me see it. Oh, oh that's unfortunate. All right, all right. All right, let me see it. All right, hey, real quick. I'm trying to drive home a point to you guys so that way you can understand it. Jacob, on his best effort, has no chance of hitting it. On top of that, that's not the only factor. You also have the factor of the world. So even if Jacob gave his best effort, he also has to include the way of the world. And guess what? He misses again. Now here's the third option. Here we go. Go back, back there for me. He's going to throw it a third time. You guys are going to do your best to knock it down. And I actually need a leash. Can you take that blanket that's right there? Take that blanket for me. And I want you to put it over his head. I want you to spin him around. Put it over his head. Hey, your job as the world is to make sure it doesn't hit there. Make sure you knock it down. Whatever you got to do. All right? All right, make sure it's over him. I don't want him to see it all. I don't want him to see it all. All right, your job. Your job. All right, your job, world, is to make sure it doesn't, he doesn't stop it. Make sure he doesn't. Make sure he doesn't hit it. Your job, world, is to block it. Here we go. All right. All right, Jacob, I need your best throw. Make sure it doesn't hit it. Make sure it doesn't hit the target. Oh! Oh, it doesn't hit the target. All right. All right, Jacob, you come sit down for me. Come sit down for me. Well done. Well done. Well done. All right. Yeah, Cole. Yeah, Cole, thank you. All right, good, good, good. Guys, guys, I do not want y'all to miss this. I do not want y'all to miss it. It is very goofy what we did, but what it demonstrated so completely is our sin nature in the eyes of a holy God. That third time when Jacob took the shot with his best effort and with the world's factor, uh, the, the target wasn't even over there. What I want you guys to understand is even if you were to give your best effort, even if you were found a way to uh, go past the world in whatever way, you also know that you're deceived by the devil. And you can wake up one day realizing you've been living your whole life aiming at a target that's not even in that direction. I say that to you guys for this main reason. You have to understand your sin separates you from God and there's nothing you can do on your own to get there. But here's the part that makes it amazing. Despite our sin, God loved us. How do you love us? In Romans 5, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were an individual who could, not miss, who could not hit the mark, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Again, you have in 1 John, if this love was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son in the world, that we might live through him here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God so loved us, even though we couldn't do anything on our own, he still sent his son to die on the cross. Even if you were to continue trying your best efforts on your own, he still loves you. 
As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Greater love hath no man this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Brother Jerome, you mind putting that target back there? Jacob, you mind getting right there? This is simple as we can just... I just wanted you to keep in your exercise because I heard you need it for some call. Okay? So, target goes back over there. We need the frisbee over there. I need him blindfolded. I need it all. We have all three factors. There's no way he can hit it on his own, okay? Blindfolded for him. Just that way you can see us. If you're somewhere in this room, you're like, man, I've already served Jesus Christ my own, own, as my personal Lord and Savior. Hey, well, this is an opportunity for you to share it to someone else. Understand it this way, another way to explain it, another method. This is what takes place. Even though Jacob could not meet that target on his own, God sent his son to die on the cross for us. God took his son who would hit the mark with his best effort. So even though the world was a factor, even though the, uh, the devil was trying to deceptive him in the wilderness, God sent his son to die on the cross. And although it would cost him his own life, to hit the target for you. You might put that in that canister for me. Even though it would cost him his own life. Greater love hath no man this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That he hit the target for you. And all he is asking you to do because he's done all the work is for you to let go of the frisbee, let go of trying to do it on your own, and by faith, by faith, give it to Christ because he's already done it all for you. Because our response to what Jesus has already done for everybody will dictate whether we spend an eternity in heaven or we spend an eternity in hell. And it's either our response is rejection, we'll keep doing it our way like Jacob was doing, shooting it on his own, or he accepts what Christ has done by faith and allows Jesus to be the uh, uh, propitiation for our sins. And I think, I thought that was my thing. Here are the verses for, again, I'm going to send this to you guys. That way, I just want you all to see all of it. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever, boy, for whosoever, that means everybody in this room, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thine mouth the Lord Jesus, and will believe with thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth with the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, meaning there was nothing, there was no shot, Jacob could ever possibly make to hit that target. But by God's grace, it was his gift to say, let me hit the mark for you. Stop trying on your own. You are separated from God. I will, I will unite you back with God. Let me do it. For my grace, so you say today, it's not yourselves, it's a gift of God. Uh, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. My question to you, are you still trying to live your own life? Are you still trying to hit the mark on your own? Unfortunately, guys, there's no way you're ever going to hit it. And if you don't realize that you can never hit it, you'll never hit a point in your life where you realize you need a Savior. So now, what is that? And I think this is cool, just that way you can understand. As I have it titled, if none of that applies to you, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never allowed Him uh, to bear your cross, to die for you, if you don't accept that by faith, the free gift of His Son for you, it doesn't matter about discipleship. It doesn't matter how many Bible studies you come to. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church. Because all those things are you trying your best shot at that target and missing every single time. Because even our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. Okay? So here, um, and you can see it a little bit on that circle thing. So you have man who's a sinner. There's no relationship with God, but God sent his son Jesus. So that way there can now be a relationship with God. You can see it over there on that board if you want to see the three circles. Just a simple way to explain it. Now, when we look at discipleship, 
Discipleship is very important, okay? Because for you to disciple someone else, you yourself have to be a disciple. So before we move on, if inside your heart you understand that you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then there is no reason for you to understand discipleship. There is no reason for you to discipleship someone else. Your main purpose, your main goal is to have a relationship with Christ on your own. You might be saying, well, James, when, you know, when I was little, I went to a vacation Bible school and I raised my hand and I got saved. And then there was this other time, I'm pretty sure whenever I was 12 and I accepted Jesus in my heart, I was, I was in my bed at home. My question to you is if you've truly given your life to Christ, can you pinpoint that time and place when you've given your life to Christ? And the only reason I say that is this, is if every time the gospel is presented to you, if you're all of a sudden always saying the prayer another time, always asking just in case, my question to you is why are you doing it just in case if it's already been settled? And some of you are struggling with doubt and assurance of salvation because instead of just realizing the fact that you've never personally given your life to Christ, you are struggling. You are struggling. And the reason I say that, I mean, we can look here. I, I, I was going to show you all some verses with it, but... But this just helps explain. Immediately when we're saved, we are justified before a holy God because of Jesus' righteousness. And the reason I say if you're continually asking Jesus into your heart, it's not possible for you to be justified multiple times over and over and over again. You're justified one time. So if you're caught getting saved over and over and over again, you might need to ask yourself the question, am I truly saved, okay? I just want y'all to understand that. If you have any questions with it, talk to me. Talk to any of these adults in here. We would want nothing more than for you to personally accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Don't let another night slip by because like it says, in our state, in our unrighteousness, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't want that for any one of you guys. Okay? Um, so now, we're going to move on into discipleship. Was that a decent way? Just get you guys to understand. That's what salvation is. Nothing you can do on your own but accepting what Jesus did for you in, in your place. Um... Again, if you need to give your life to Christ, just even if you need to do it now, that's fine. Just get some of that on. You move out of this room. Nobody will care. But again, if you don't get that, nothing else really matters. Nothing else really matters. All right, now we're going to get to discipleship. Y'all good with discipleship? Was that, was that too fast for y'all? Was that fine? Is that clear? Does anyone have... Seriously, any questions about salvation? Any questions? Okay, good. All right. Um, discipleship. Now y'all can go ahead and flip. Go ahead and flip for me. I got a passage for y'all if y'all have y'all's Bibles. Again, I'm not going to spend all time all night here. We're just going to get through what we can. Let's go to let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. We'll go with uh, actually these guys will go to 1 Corinthians 15 over here. Ava, your little your little group on the couch. Y'all go to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, the others I need to go to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And then let's see here. <coughs> Um, Jacob, Allie, Cole, Kate, y'all's couch right here. Y'all go ahead and go for me in a different spot. Y'all go to... Y'all go to... Oh, uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. All right. Which one did I give you? Yeah, I give you two, two, two. All right. All right. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. It's going to be starting at verse number 18 for those who flipped there. Okay? Alright. Now, we're going to look at what it looks like to be a disciple. I guess what would be the qualifications and what does it look like kind of deal. You already know for you to be a disciple maker, you yourself need to be a disciple or else you'll really, really struggle with all this. The first point as a disciple is you must be saved. And when I say you must be saved, you must know the gospel. 
Sometimes we don't say it that way. Sometimes we just say, well, if you're saved, you're good. My question to you is if someone were to ask you, what is the gospel? How did you give your life to Christ? And if you can't give an answer to someone, if you can't explain what Christ has done in your life, you do not have a relationship with Christ. Because if a Christ who sent his son, if God sent his son to die on the cross, so that way you can now have fellowship with God again and your sin separated, let me tell you something. You would be able to explain that to somebody else, being, I once was lost, but now I'm found. This was my life before, and this is my life now. If you cannot explain that to someone else, you need to ask the question to yourself again, have I given my life to Christ? It is impossible for you to be a disciple of Christ or a Christian or a follower of Christ if you don't even understand the gospel, if you don't understand salvation yourself. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be uh, completely and theologically sound. It can be as simple as explaining that Frisbee toss right there. I couldn't hit the mark on my own. I was a sinner, but God sent us on the down of the cross for me to serve my punishment for not hitting the mark. And by His grace, I accept everything He did for me. So that way, my unrighteousness, uh, He has taken on the cross. And now before I stand God, I take Jesus' righteousness and not my own. Okay? Can you explain the gospel? Can anyone in this room tell me what the gospel is? What's the good news? What's the good news, Gibby? The truth. What's the truth? It's the Word of God. So what's the gospel? Word of God? Y'all know what the gospel, you know what the word gospel means? The good news. Do you know what the good news is? Despite the fact you're a sinner, God sent us on the die on the cross for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 actually gives us an explanation of what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 2 through 4, and it says this. Uh, Ava, read verse number uh, 2 for us. By this gospel you are saved. Oh, what does it say? By this gospel. Okay, the gospel is the good news. All right, the gospel is the good news. That although you were a sin, your sin separated from you from God, God sent his son. All right, that's what the good news is. That's what the gospel. Okay, so what does it say, Abel? You are saved if you hold firm to the word I preached to you. Oh, okay, so what is the word he preached to him? Verse number three and four, you're going to see what that word is. What does it say? This is explaining what the gospel is. What does it say, Abel? Otherwise you have believed in vain, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Whoa, whoa, right there. What did Christ do? What's the good news? He died for, what does it say? Our sins, not His. He was perfect. He was blameless. Christ died for you, Cole. Christ died for you, Ben. Christ died for you, Baylor. Whether you would accept Him or not, Christ so loved you. So Paul here is explaining the good news is the fact that although you're sin and you separated from God and there was nothing that could happen, God took your sins on the cross. What does it say further in that verse, Ava? What does it say? Verse 4. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and he was raised on the third day. The good news is God sent his son to die on the cross for you. And he rose on the third day. And the reason that's so important is this. When you are saying, I'm giving my life to you, Christ, that means you are dying to yourself. And just as Christ died, you also believe that Christ was risen from the dead. So when you die to yourself, you also believe that you now will live for Christ. Y'all following with me? That means although I wanted to live my own life, I wanted to shoot my own shot, now that I accept Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I don't shoot my own shot anymore. I died to that lifestyle. I died to that nature. And now I raised to the fact that Jesus now does it all. What you say, Jesus, I'm following. Okay? So for you to be a disciple, you must know the gospel. You must be saved. And you must believe that that tomb is empty. Because if you don't believe that the tomb was empty, let me tell you something. You believe in a God that's still dead. 
You must believe that he rose again. Because why would you die to yourself to a God that has died? No, he's a risen Savior. He's a risen Savior. What you couldn't do, he did for you. Golly, that's, that's slap love. I don't know what else to say, guys. I wish I could love you guys that much, but I can't. I can only... I can't. I, mean, I wish I could, but I couldn't. That's awesome. All right. Regardless, uh, you must believe.